Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. We are almost finishing our series on straightforward financial growth and today I'm excited to share with you about first fruits and these are the five things we've said if you do these things not think about them not talk about them but if you do them you will become wealthy and my assumption is that you tried broke and you didn't like it so one is you acquire knowledge two work hard and smart three manage your money four make wise investments and five Live generously. And we summarized it into five words, the same being. Uh-huh. Believe, work, manage, invest, give. So those are the five things and we've been, we spent a long time on this series. Three months, right? We started in July, August, now September. We talked about the believe part. We talked about the work part, the manage, the invest. And now we are talking about giving and so I'm here to share about fast fruits. This is a very, very rarely taught topic in the church. It's also not very well understood. So we are going to make an effort to make sure that you have enough scripture backing and enough understanding of it for you to be able to practice it. All right. So fast fruits is when you choose to give a whole, a whole of a specific income, I'm talking about in modern parlance, yeah, not back then it would be goats and stuff like that, of a specific income in a specific season to God, in this case to your local church, as a sacrificial giving that seeks to honor God. That's the definition. Now I'm going to tell you a little story about my own story of first fruits. Uh, you heard Paul Kisache's story. Now, in 2013, I sat down with a man called Mike Rotalo, and he took me through the whole thing about fast fruits. It was so good, one-on-one, right? Over breakfast, Javas. No, not Javas. Back then, yeah, didn't go to Javas. Uh, so, he explained BT, what, how it's so good, how it works. Hey, man, I was touched, eh? Okay, I was touched. <laughs> Some of you are threatening me with your stoic looks. Relax, this is church. We even have drinks at the end. <clears throat> Soft drinks. <laughs> so, the guy, yeah, huh? So I went away feeling pumped up. I was like, oh, man, this thing looks good. Oh, wow. What am I going to do about it? Then, the law of diminishing intent kicked in. Have you heard of the law of diminishing intent? It states thus, the longer you take to do that which you ought to do, the higher the chances that you will not do it. So, I calculated, uh, thought, man, in a fruit, how will we survive? Ah, mm. Ah, and the year went on and nothing happened. Of course, life was good as usual. Uh, 
my wife and I, we have always practiced generosity with people and with God. So there was no problem. We, we survived. Only the, the problem is I checked at the end of the year and my net, our net worth had not shifted much. It's like that whole year we hadn't added a lot of economic value to ourselves. Yeah? Life was good. We, we did all that needed to be, to, to be done. Uh, school fees was paid. Huh? Rent was paid. The food was paid for. You know, life is largely a series of payments. <clears throat> for most people, you're always paying. Them. You wake up and money is just leaving you constantly. So that was us. It, it would come and go. Yeah. Says money talks, always says bye to me. So we survived the year, but I reached the end of the year and realized our net worth hadn't gone. I was quite bothered. I was like, and at that time I knew the whole net worth thing. I was like, hey, it looks like the whole the year was not as glorious. So the same Michael Taro this time comes back. And this time it wasn't alone, it was at New Dawn Camp, the one that we get it, the one that one, 2014. Man, the man spoke. Huh? Huh? You know the things of how was the someone? The man spoke. <laughs> anyway, the man spoke, and this time I was like, mm -mm 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 -mm. if we die, <laughs> let us die. But I'm not going to let this first full thing pass me again. I, I could sense within me that this was my last chance. Huh? <laughs> I was like, how can you do it? Like, just do it. Nike. Huh? Just Nike. Just do it. So I just did it. Now, people are saying, Mose did it. Noah did it. You also can. Did it. Anyway. So let me give you a little bit of, uh, I know you are aware, but it helps to explain uh, how Personal economics works in Kampala. Personal. Usually you get your December salary, assuming you work in a good place, before Christmas, okay? Around 20th, 21st, yeah? Your December salary comes in. And about when is it all spent? Much of it is spent by the 25th, and by 1st January, it's all gone. It's all gone. Uh, that's why they say January has 69 days. So by the time I show up at New Dawn Camp, and this guy is saying all these things, we have 69 days of January to face. And I, but I, I was like, this time, we are going to do it. Come and buy and buy. Now, at that time, uh, Ari and I, I think I was the only one gainfully employed. Uh, so we are depending on one salary. She was employed, but not gainfully. <laughs> at home. Even homework is work. In fact, it's harder work than out of homework. So there are people who work at home. They, we need to celebrate them. Yeah. And all the husbands gave their wives an allowance. Amen. Anyway. 
I was well and gainfully employed, and so it meant that we are going to take my salary and we are going to give it. Now, when you are waiting upon the Lord for January to end, so that there is some revival, and then you're planning for the end of January to postpone the revival for another month, it can be scary at least here in Kampala because you can't just go to the neighbor's garden and eat mangoes. But that was, that's what we did. And I don't remember the details, but I know that somehow the rent was paid. Somehow people went to school. Somehow we survived. And I keep thinking back to try and remember the details, but I never get to know them. I've tried, but I've not really understood what happened. But we survived. The rent was paid. The school fees was paid. And we survived Feb. Uh, Feb came to an end and March came and revival began. Then stuff started happening that I did not realize until June is when I woke up to what was happening. But what happened is that because Mike Michael had taught and said that, you know, by the way, when, st when things start happening, it will be so naturally supernatural, you will not see it. It can be you start getting better deals, better customers, uh, you know, things, money starts coming your way, but through the usual means, only that it's a lot more than usual, and you don't notice. So we never noticed until one day in May, somebody puts sends me 10 million shillings on my account. I've sent you 10 million shillings. Uh, it's yours, it's not for the church because the, she knows I'm going to ask, uh, is that church money? So she said, it's yours, it's not for the church. 10, it's mine, why? Like, you know, start working out. Okay, I know like now because of straightforward financial growth and all those things, 10 million doesn't sound like a lot of money, but back in 2014, it was a lot of money. So, ah, like, okay. But, you know, I can work through 10 million quite quickly. I have that gift <laughs> of uh, spending, you know, like, uh, 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 I don't have a problem. That's why for me, this book, Straightforward Financial Growth, is mainly my book for me to apply because you can give me 10 million now, and tomorrow around 9 a.m., we are wondering, where, where did the money go? <laughs> so, hmm? I got clever. Name for the magazine. Like, ah, there's that thing. You have that land in Chitukutwe. Why don't you start, pour some materials, get the contract and start some work? We were not planning to build. We didn't even have approved plans. Because our cash flow didn't show that building was the next thing around the corner. So there were no plans to build. I said, okay, there's 10 million, you're going to wallop it, and then you'll ask yourselves where it went and you can't find it. So talk to this guy, take the materials, so spruced up the plans, went to Kira municipality, submitted them, got out, contract on site, July, we started building. So we start building. That's when it occurs to me that I think something extraordinary is happening. 
Why are all these people looking for me to give me money? Because I can tell you people looked for me. Like real hunting you down. When they say, uh, <laughs> these things shall be added to you. Eh? Mbaba goodness and mercy shall what? Hunt you down. We will pursue you, grab you, and hunt you down all the days of your life. That's what was happening that time. I was like, what's going on? Money started coming my way. Anyway, we started building. We built in phases. Uh, when you talk to a good architect, you can be able to build in phases. Anyway, the, the what? <laughs> but by Feb 2015, only seven months later, we, we were able to enter our house. We got in. Remember, Jan 2014, we have no plans of building. Even Feb, March, April. May is when the idea comes, because like you're going to blow this money. You start in July. In Feb, you're in the house. Look, if that, that's, not a, okay. that's not a coincidence. Those kind of accidents no longer happen. They stopped the good ones. Now, what happened is that between that, between when the brain switched on and I started realizing that people are, are giving us money, and when we entered the house in Feb, in less than a year, people had given us more than 60 million shillings. Yeah, more than 60. Now, you may say, oh, okay. What was the performance of that particular income stream in the previous years? I can tell you that the, before that, if, you, if I added up all the money that people gave to us for one reason or other, it didn't make even one million a year. So when you go from sub one million per year to 60 million in one year, then you need to understand that something extraordinary is happening. Am I making sense? Yeah. Now, is it because God started loving us in 2014? <laughs> is that when he started? No. Is it because we became people of faith in 2014? No. Is, is, is it because the, uh, we, we got new jobs in 2014? No, same job. And I'm talking, when I say 60 million, that's the money people gave us. I'm not talking about money from business engagements. I mean, that year, I was very still active in architecture. I was trying, sort of trying to slow it down. But that's the year when I got all the best deals for design work where people are paying some respectable amount of money. Like everything just worked together. And from that time, when we gave first fruits in 2014, our, our net worth has, it has it's, it's four times what it was four years ago. And we are still doing the same work, and we are still the same people. We live in Chitukutwe. Now, I want you to know that this thing, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with a, what, a theory. So I'm teaching you about fast fruits, but I wanted to first give you the experience and to tell you, Gwe, God is rich. <laughs> eh? And he somehow is trying to get, to figure out how to send his money to us, but we've jumped. So, a 
a friend of mine put it well this way. This is how they put it. And I thought this is the best way I ever had it. It says, tithe is for your sustenance. Fast fruits is for your promotion. So we have always been, not always. That's not true. Uh, for a sufficient time, my wife and I have been faithful tithers. So we always had life going well, you know. Like nothing too dramatic, but you're not in luck. You have all that you need. Life is going on. You're well sustained. Yeah, you're happy, yeah? Happy marriage, happy children, happy everything. Stuff is okay. Until 2015, when this fast food thing just caused good chaos. <laughs> Man, I'm sold. From that day, I am super sold. If you come and tell me, you can no longer give fast foods. I will have to leave the country. I need to go somewhere where I can give it. Because I have seen this thing work. So tithe is for your sustenance. We covered that two weeks ago, tithe. Fast fruit is for your promotion. So if your finances have been going like this, hmm? going up, but rather slowly, over the years, moreover, you're like this, and you need some sort of jolt, hmm? like Maybe, maybe, you maybe want to try this thing. Now, before I go into the text, I want to make the main point that I want to make today. Because when you teach about money in church, I, I've come to know this, that when it comes to money and church as the pastor, I'm guilty until proven innocent the whole time. Because most people's idea of the church is that we want people's money. Now, I want to tell you that, first of all, we don't want your money. Okay? Uh, it's not today. <laughs> That's not the point of this sermon. The point of this sermon is that how we handle money reveals the posture of our hearts towards God. It's not stuff that God is after. It's our hearts. Why? Because the Bible is very clear that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And because God is interested in your heart and in my heart, he sort of has to work his way past your treasure to get to your heart. Now that's a deep truth. We need to rename this church Deep Truth Ministries. International <laughs> DTMI. <laughs> Seriously, think about it. If Jesus said it, it's true. For God to get to your heart, he has to get past your shillings. He has to get past your treasure to get to your heart. It's where it is. And not, you're not alone. I'm, I'm in the picture as well. For God to, for God to constantly have Moses' heart, I must not allow money to rule over me. You see, money is a wonderful servant and a terrible master. And all of these things that God teaches, it's to teach us to rule over money and to use it for the things that he wants us to use it for. So, it's not stuff that God is after. It's your heart. Now, Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 it's very instructive. I'll start with it today. He says, together, let's, let's read this aloud together with some oomph. Uh -huh. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. 
So your barns will be filled with plenty. Do you have some barns, anyone? Okay. That can be like your bank account. Okay. And your vats will overflow with new wine. You don't know have locally. I'm very funny. They always find a way of extricating themselves from the scripture. So your vats will overflow with new wine. But I'm a teetotaler. Maria, and only a few other people have got the joke. Other people, this joke has jammed. It's almost lunch time. <laughs> okay, your vats will overflow with Coca-Cola. Now, <laughs> what does the Bible say? Honor the Lord with your what? Possessions. Possessions. Let me tell you, everyone have their own idea on how they honor the Lord. May I honor the Lord by singing in the worship team. May I honor the Lord by preaching. May I honor the Lord by being an usher. I honor the Lord by going every Sunday. Mm. Yeah, I honor the Lord by going to worship him. What, what? You, let me tell you. All of that stuff is good. But God, who is the author of the scriptures, has specified how he is to be honored. And that's with what? With your possessions. So you can say, ah, me, I'm already doing this, I'm doing this. And God is like, okay, thank you. Now, possessions. Possessions. Why? Because possessions can possess you until the Lord cannot have you. That's why God will not allow your possessions to possess you. So he says, you have to honor me with your possessions. Because of all the things in the world that could take your heart, it's really wealth that can easily take your heart from God. That's why he says, you have to honor the Lord with your possessions. Now, let me give you a small clue. Uh, this is not a clue. This is a completely different point, but related. For some of you, you've read this other verse. Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you have a long life, and that you may go well with you. And you've been thinking, how do I do that? Here is a clue. If God, who needs nothing, who doesn't have a plot on earth, insists on being honored with possessions. How much more your parents? You can't honor your father and mother by whatsapping them. Hi, daddy. I just want to honor you. No. <laughs> it probably it hasn't been working, has it? No. So what do you do? Get some money. Put it in an envelope and go present it to your parents. And make that a consistent practice. And some of you are going to say, my dad has so much money, doesn't need my money. No, it's not money that they are after. You see, when you give someone 10 million shillings, let's say it costs you, it takes you 10 days to make 10 million shillings. Okay. 30 days. <laughs> because I said 10 days, there was unbelief in the room. Now let me extend it a little bit. If it takes you 30 days to make 10 million things and you get 10 million things and you go and give it to someone, you're giving them 30 days of your life. Your parents gave you life. That's the spiritual order. And they're going to leave an inheritance for you. What your role is to honor them. Look, you'll give the guy your kalito money, they will even figure out how to buy you a gift that's more expensive than the money you took because it's more blessed to give than to receive. You think you're going to outbless your parents? It's not possible. 
But that's how you honor your parents. That's, that's how you build yourself up a good, successful life that doesn't have all the trouble that the world throws at you. It's a very clear, simple instruction. How do you avoid trouble in life? Honor your parents. How do you have a long life? Honor your parents. How do you honor your parents? With your possessions. The ultimate parent, our spiritual father, God, says, honor me with your possessions. Are there people left in here? <laughs> I told you, deep what? Truth Ministries International. Some people, that the truth is coming fast and furious. They are trying to figure out implementation stages. How do I implement that? Yeah. Now, there's a story to support the idea that the, how you deal with your finances reveals the posture of your heart. This is the story of the rich young ruler, and allow me not to read it because of our time. But most of us have heard about the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. But maybe let's read the first part. Uh -huh, it says, now as he was going out on the road, who's that? Jesus. What happened? One came running and knelt before him. This is a rich young ruler kneeling before Jesus. Now remember, the Pharisees have already warned people. If we see any of you saying, Imuno Jesus is bichi, 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 we are going to throw you out of the synagogue. You're going to lose your social capital. So this guy was already taking a considerable level of risk kneeling before Jesus on the road. This wasn't in the backyard. Huh? This story is told in a few other places where they say he fell before him. Like, boom. Now, imagine this is Kampala Road, okay? And Jesus is walking hmm? on Kla Road with his 12 disciples. Huh? And then a rich, young ruler, a very well-known person in the city who is young and wealthy and influential. Who would that be? <laughs> what? Brian White? <laughs> Mozi? Uh-huh. Who else? Give me more options. Let's, let's create enough pictures for people. Bobby Wine? Uh-huh. Uh, one of those, you know, one of those young Kampala billionaires, eh, socialites, but in a sense, eh, huh? huh? So the dude comes and clarod, baboda, baboda, baita, wah! It's already on social media. Instant, Instagram is full of that. <laughs> he fell before Jesus. Did you see so and so? They knelt before Jesus. What do you think all the Baloko are going to say? That one is a real safety. Now, can you imagine? Let, let's, let's bring it here. Let's say I'm here preaching. What now? Of course, right now you've worked out that I'm not Jesus. But let's say I'm here preaching about Jesus. Then one of you rich young people, you come from up there. And you run. Before even we are done with the sermon, you come and fall here. Boo! And what do you say? Pastor, 
what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? I'm like, welcome, brother. Welcome, brother. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Is there anyone there who wants to give their life to Jesus right now? Uh, and you just come. That's what this brother has done. It's, it, this is your day. This is your moment. This is your time. You're next. This is it. The Lord, can you play something on that keyboard as we receive? Do you get what I'm saying? The anointing is heavy. I mean, people are coming, falling down. I will just use that as an evangelistic moment and even bring other people to join so they can come to the Lord. Amen. Because I'm like, man, Oliwajir and they prostrate and think that we all know them. Ah, they must be serious about God. That's what that's the assumption we will make. So he says, what should I do? He says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't... Maybe someone comes and says, hey, what should I do? Hey, yeah. Go to church, join an MC, serve in the team, what? Yeah. And, and then he says, and the answer then say to him, teacher, all the things I have kept from me, teacher, I'm already in the choir, I'm in the ushering team, I go to church, I'm what? Of course, Jesus knows what he's doing. Yeah? Don't you think so? He's going for something critical. <laughs> he says, okay, go and sell your stuff and come and follow me. Like, okay. Okay. Uh, yes, you keep the commandments. Yes, you, you raise your hands in worship. Yes, you show up for church. You're in garage. You're on the worship team. You are the preacher. You need an MC. Okay. Give me your possessions. How deep is your love? <laughs> then things become. That's when you say relationship status with Jesus. It's complicated. I thought he just wanted me to lift up hands, what, worship him. Now he wants my money. No. <laughs> you have grabbed it. Jesus is seeing beyond all this posturing and kneeling and falling down before him because he can see the heart. And he's like, he has only one proof mechanism for where the heart is possessions. Let me tell you, we can come here and I jump up and you'll be like, that brother is deep. I mean, if you're like a sister uh, yeah, and they have warned you that Bambi, don't fall in love with undeep brothers. Hey! I worship you. Tears flowing down. That brother is deep. When the brother comes and says, can we go out for sips and second? You think? Okay, Let's, let me pray about it. You're, 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 you're going to be fooled into thinking that that person's heart is sold out to God. There's a very nice book called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. You should all read it. He teaches very seriously about this stuff. And when a young man fell in love with his daughter, 
and wanted to marry her. <laughs> Do you know what he checked for? His tithing record. That's the only guarantee he had to know whether this young man's heart is submitted to God and he was not going to become a problem to his daughter. He just checked for his tithing record. Because when a person is not submitted to God via finances, they are not submitted to God in anything else. I told you, deep went truth into us. So Jesus saw through the guy's problem and nothing could happen. He let him go. Biblical examples, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. Now, I don't know how they learned that they should be bringing an offering to the Lord, but we see that they brought. And the Bible says that Cain brought of the crop as an offering to the Lord. And it says that Abel brought of the firstlings of the flock. In others, the first fruit. And they both offered, and God, and the Bible says that God was pleased with Abel's offering, but not pleased with Cain's offering. Now, you have to ask yourself, why? Huh? Like one of my people would say, unfair, unfair. <laughs> why? What, where did these children learn from that they are supposed to offer first fruit? Like, how, did, how was Cain supposed to know that it was first fruit that was required and not just an offering? Yeah, how did you know that his offering had been rejected? Did he keep putting the fire and it refused to burn? Somehow he knew. And what did God tell him? God said to him, sin is at the door. Sin crouches at the door and is looking for you. And he said, but you should rule over it. You should what? Rule over it. And what did God say? God says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, you know what to do. You know what to do. Do the right thing. Abraham was taught to offer Isaac. That was a type of fast fruit because, man, this, this is only son of promise. Okay, I dish my name. That was like, you know, manufactured strife. This was the son of promise. And God says, offer Isaac. It is indeed our hearts that God is after. You think God really wanted Isaac? No, he wanted Abraham's heart. It's like, we are going to get it ready. You're going to become the father of all nations. You cannot be misrepresenting me. You and I need to be on the same level as far as our understanding of how this system works is concerned. And Abraham took Isaac all the way. And just before he sacrificed him, God says, okay, I know you are with me. Now let me bring my deal, the lamb that was slain, and that was what was sacrificed. Now, can you imagine Isaac telling God, well, Isaac, you know, God, rather, Abraham, God is telling Abraham, Abraham, offer Isaac, Isaac okay, God, let me pray about it. Yeah, some people have not got to the pan. Like, it, the, God is not telling you and then you want to pray about it. To which God now? <laughs> Who are you going to pray about it to? So he's like, let me pray about it. He goes, consult Sarah. 
What then comes back to God? Knock, knock. Who's there? Abraham. Abraham who? Abraham. Yeah, Abraham, Abraham. And says, okay, now God, we've really considered this matter. We've considered your proposition. And we are willing to give you Isaac. We only have one ask. First, give us ten children. Secure us. You know, make, make this thing secure. Give us ten children. We are willing to give you one of them. Okay, five. So that after you've taken Isaac, we have four. Is that what he did? No. Because God wasn't looking for Isaac. God was looking for the heart. Did you see that? And then you had Jericho. The Bible says the city of Jericho was tightly shut up that no one could come in or go out. And then God gave it to these people under the leadership of Joshua. And what did God say? Everything in Jericho is mine. In fact, they called it a cast. Why did they call it a cast? Because that which belongs to God, when you touch it, it becomes a cast. And you're hearing this from a grace preacher, by the way. Because some of you might be thinking, is he still a grace preacher? So he says, everything, is it because God wanted goats and uh, cows and gold and silver? For what purpose? Don't touch everything in Jericho is mine. All the silver, all the gold, every animal, what? All the people kill. Why? It was the first city. All these things, God is demonstrating a deeper truth which we are about to find out. And then, of course, Brother Ekan <laughs> thinks that he's going to be the exception. Like, uh, uh, God really does too much. Let me just keep a little under my tent. Things didn't end too well. Then Solomon's a thousand offerings. Remember that? Solomon becomes king, and what is his first official action? He goes to Gibeon, and he offers 1,000 burnt offerings in one night. My God. Now, let's say they started at 8 p.m. until 6 a.m. That's like 10 hours, okay? 1,000, that's 100 per hour. That's more than one bull per minute. For those who have not done the math, the slave factor, like, what? Now, of course, they are not just cutting off the head and leaving the thing. Remove skin, remove the innards, what, and take to the fire. A thousand in one night. Can you believe? Now, this is what happened in that story. God was there minding his business. I don't know what he does on on a, a typical day, maybe he's just having coffee or something. Jazzing with Jesus. Then why they're there like, eh, what's that? Hmm? He says, uh, Gabriel, check. Go, go down there and check. Uh, I'm sensing something. So Gabriel indeed comes, checks, and like, now this part you will not find it in the Bible. I'm telling you, I'm describing to you Moses' expanded version, MEV. <coughs> because some of you might be scrambling through Chronicles, saying, Can I call you up? 
MEV. Huh? Gabriel comes back and says, Adonai. They have heard that slain 300. Say, really? says, Michael, go and cross check. Manu Gabriel, maybe he can get excited. So Michael goes, comes up, hey, there was a 700th bull. This is like 3 a.m. And God is like, give me my robe. I must go and see for myself. <laughs> yeah, so God says, I need to go down there and talk to this boy. Give me my robe. <laughs> God denied you. I don't know. I just want to assume that he wears something. <laughs> So God comes and then God starts praying. Huh? Now for most of us we spend our lives praying. There are people who pray, they wait on the they pray, they present their petitions. There are others who pray. Uh, I'll tell you, I remember those campus days, some guy was in MTR and said, God, come down here. They wanted to see God. Like, huh? So we, we spend our days praying, petitioning. Now this time it's in reverse. It's God who comes and says, Kakati, Solomon, what? <laughs> what do you want? What can I do for you? Can you imagine you wake up at night on your bed? Eh? Some dude is seated on your bed. Noah, Hamuka. What do you want? What can I do for you? What would you say? Let me tell you, Solomon figured out how to reverse pray. Instead of praying to God, he calls God to come and be the one to say, What is it? I said, Give me a chance. Hey. And that's what we see at the birth of the church. People gave. People gave everything. And there was so much power. A lot of people came to Christ. You know one thing I've noticed? That there's a correspondence between generosity and the power of God. There's this church. A lot of us know it. This thing was working a little while ago. Hmm? Generosity. Okay. There's this church, Bethel Church. Many of us know Bethel Church. Here at Worship Harvest, a lot of people re read those books for, of Bill Johnson, When Heaven Invades Earth, etc., etc. And this church, I think, it's the church with the biggest number of recorded miracles that I know of. These guys walk in the supernatural constantly. Like, it's not a problem. I remember going to a conference and then the guy stood up and said, not this one, one of his protégés. Said, I have seen 200 blind eyes opened. Then he talked about the number of deaf ears and all of that. This, these guys, they walk in the miraculous for real, like crazy, and they record. That's a, that's a good thing with them. But one of the things that they don't tell you about Bethel is the levels of generosity. 
So one of our leaders, Lynette, went there for a conference, the prophetic conference, and that weekend of the conference is Bill Johnson had just released a new book. And then that weekend, because they have services in two campuses, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, everyone who attended church that day got a free copy of the book. It's not a small church, eh? Yeah, and I'm talking multiple services, including all the people who had gone for the conference. Yeah, like, yeah, I know some of you are like, ha, Lord, may it happen <laughs> at Worship Harvest with a straightforward financial growth book. <laughs> I need to finish. Let's finish. We've been here. We've been here too long. Let's finish. So, people, that's it. But here is the deeper thing about it. It says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die. How did we all become sinners? Through Adam. Even so in Christ all shall be made alive. How did we all become righteous? Through Christ. And it says, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward, those who are Christ's at his coming. Christ is the ultimate first fruit that God has given. And as a result, see what happens. It says here in Romans 4, 11, 16 together. He says, uh-huh. For if the first fruit is holy, the lamp also is holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. In other words, if the first fruit is holy, then the whole thing from which it is taken is what? Is holy. How, how do you become holy? I'm looking at all these holy people here. How did you become holy? Through Christ. That's why we receive Christ as our savior. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Everything that he is, we become by faith. So because Christ is holy, all those of us who come to him, we are rendered holy. Because he's righteous, we are all rendered righteous. Because he's the son of God, we are all rendered children of God. That's how it works. So this whole first fruit thing, what God has been doing the whole time is point us to his son. And he says... This is one of the things you need to practice so that you understand what goes on with you. Amen? You have understood? So, how we handle money reveals the posture of our hearts toward God. And it's not stuff God is after, remember. He's after your heart. Amen. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.